Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradigm. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and generational prosperity. I believe that there are families and businesses that have learned to give a new definition to the word success from a kingdom perspective. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 20 to 30 minutes where we take traditional thinking and turn it upside down. Welcome everyone. This is Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist. We are here for another episode of Redefining Success. And joining me today is Michael Kading. Michael is the CEO of Norhart, which is based up in Minnesota and just is doing an incredible job in building apartments and doing it the right way. I've done a whole lot. I've looked into a lot of what they've got going on using technologies and techniques that a lot of people haven't thought about. And you're going to want to listen today because not only to hear just the the way that they are disrupting that industry in a really, really good way, but not only the journey of how they got there and how Mike got to where he is today, um, it, it's going to be worth your time. So Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. This should be fun. Yeah. So Mike, before we get into everything, I know we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Norhart. We're going to talk a little bit about the work and kind of your journey, but will you tell my audience about you outside of all of that? Mm. Yeah, I think the big part of my life outside of all that is my family. I have an amazing wife. She is the nicest person on earth, uh, almost to a fault. And I have two beautiful daughters, uh, age two and five. In fact, my five-year-old just recently turned five years old and we had a she invited all of her preschool friends and all of her dance friends. And so we had like 15 or 20 little girls over our house recently. And my only job, my one job was to order the pizza. And of course I screwed it up. It was delayed. And I had 20 girls pounding on the tables going pizza, pizza. I was a little afraid for my life there for a moment. You may need to, the next job you got me to take on is pizza ordering. Exactly. I, mean, I, I did that, some practice. Yeah. Right. I mean, this, that, that industry needs to be disrupted as well. Hey, <laughs> um, tell me, what are you passionate about right now? What are you passionate about today? Hmm. You know, the biggest thing, the thing I'm really driving toward is trying to solve housing affordability hmm. right now in America, housing costs are rising faster than incomes. And it's a huge part of all of our expense. And I average like 33 or so percent. My dream is to cut that cost in half. Wow. So that your rent someday is half, that your mortgage payment someday is half. And that is something I think we can achieve. So tell my audience a little bit. I mean, I've had a chance to look into it. How are you getting to live out that passion today? Yeah, we are. I mean, we're executing that within our business. And so right now we're already achieving about a 20 to 30 percent reduction in cost, but we believe mm. deep down that we can actually get to a much higher level. And so to give you some flavor of that, if you look at other industries like manufacturing or um, agriculture, they've improved substantially over the past 60 years. Agriculture has improved by, or 
uh, manufacturing is improved by 760%, agriculture mm. by 1500%, construction during that time has been flat. It's done nothing. Really? Yeah, it's been horrible, right? And all we're doing was we're taking the lessons learned from those other industries and applying it to our own. And in doing so, we're seeing some significant improvements in productivity. Mm. Mm. Mike, I know that being the CEO of Norhart at this young of an age was not necessarily something you probably had in mind or had planned. Mm. Tell my audience a little bit about the journey of getting here. Yeah. You know, I grew up um, with this family business. In fact, I can remember my parents uh, taking us on family outings where we went to the hardware store. It was a half an hour drive. And it was uh, me and my brother, we'd each fill two carts full of supplies up to the ceiling. And it felt like the ceiling. We were small. <laughs> Pushing the carts down uh, and ordering. And then we would get in my, uh, we'd fill up my dad's trailer just as high as it can. Go drive down the highway. I'm not sure that was entirely illegal. And we'd be building these really small buildings at the time. And it was, it was fun. It was this, it, it was a business, but it was family. It was engaged. We were all there together. And I grew up with that my whole life. Um, and then I went off to college, but at college, I, boy, I didn't want anything to do with the family business. Yeah. And looking back at it, I think the core reason was, is because I didn't want people to think it was given to me. Right. Mm. So deep down, like in my own heart of hearts through I think I had to wrestle with my own ego, right? Like mm. caring a little less about how other people saw me yeah. and realizing what is it that I want to do in this world? And for me, deep down, that passion, that drive was really about trying to make some kind of meaningful, positive impact on the world, mm. right? Like when we pass away, we can't take money with us, right? Like they're not going to shovel $100 bills in my grave, kind of worthless, but what is the impact that mm. I'm leaving on the world? What am, what's the impact I'm leaving on my family, my friends, and the rest of humanity? And what I realized is that I could take this small business and grow it to the point that we could solve a major problem in the world, and that's housing costs. Mm. Now, my uh, my dad and I uh, worked on the company together. It was It was fun. I can remember times where we would just sit uh, a local Dairy Queen. After like a hard day at work, my dad just enjoyed it. Like just him and I connecting person to person in those moments. It, some of my best memories. But not long after I joined, my dad uh, it had passed away. Mm. And it was sudden. It was unexpected. Um, just a, a horrible day that when that all came down. And overnight, I was the person to run this company, right? Mm. And, and if I look back, if I'm really honest again, I didn't know what I was doing, mm. right? I right. was inexperienced. I was not one, I wasn't, wasn't the best candidate for the role, but I think looking back, there was some magic in that. Mm. What I've learned is a little bit of ignorance plus some good reasoning, good thought process is actually beneficial because you start thinking about things differently. How mm. do we change this? How do we make this better? But the reality is whenever you start something new, you're terrible. And so <laughs> early on those years, if you want me to keep going. Yeah, please. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm loving it. Yes. Yeah. So early on in those years, uh, we, you know, I had to go through, we were, we were building a building and I had to get past city council approval. And I remember 
not really understanding the value and the importance of relationships. I thought things like the letter of the law were the rule that everyone had to follow. And it turned out the city was doing something that wasn't quite following the specific part of the law. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, great. I can get, you know, an extra couple hundred thousand dollars out of this deal as a result. That was one of the big mistakes I hit initially. And the city was not game for it. Uh, and nearly didn't approve my project in just one of the worst days of, of my mm-hmm. professional life. But then going through, we got approval on the project. We started building this building, but in building it, uh, the city didn't trust me, right? They didn't trust mm-hmm. me because of some of what I did initially, which nothing illegal, but just I wasn't focused on the relationships. But then uh, after that, they didn't trust me because my dad wasn't around and I was oh. inexperienced. Yeah. And so they would nitpick a lot of stuff. But in that process, they actually shut us down twice. And the second time they shut us down, they pulled me aside, had to sit down in the city staff offices, said, Mike, you're just, you're not cut out for this. You're not good enough. You need to hire mm. a manager to oversee what you're doing. This mm. is horrible. This is not, not where I want to be. Mm. And so I just had a couple of days to find someone. Worst way to hire a high-level <laughs> manager in the company. Got someone in. Turned out not to be a great fit, but we had to keep him there because the city saw him as the experienced guy. So we did all the work, kind of handed it to him to sign off on things. <laughs> I remember toward the end of that project, um, we had thousands of feet of waterline that were buried 15 feet in the ground. And we knew through the testing that there was some pinhole leak somewhere in that line. I remember literally in my nice clothes out there in the trenches, shoveling you know, by yeah. hand, trying to find this leak with the excavator. And the excavator wanted to leave. He wanted to get out of there because he had other projects to do, but I was pleading with them. <laughs> it was horrible. It was early in the morning, late at night. And luckily we found the leak. And just a few days before we were supposed to open, the city staff walked through a building and said, no, there's no way you're getting approval on this. It's like, oh, not again. Yeah. The final day. We have people moving in the final day, half a dozen inspectors, half of a day, full detailed inspection of what we're doing. We got through it and the city head building official pulled me aside in the garage. And it's a moment I will never forget. He said, Mike, I know we were really tough on you. Look at what we've done. This is the best opening of a building ever in this city. Wow. Great work. It was like, Ah, <laughs> finally, finally, yeah, you know, finally I have like proof that I can do this. Right. And yeah. I think the lesson I learned through all that is that we start off where we're terrible at what we do. It's yeah. just human nature. You're terrible at walking. You're terrible at talking, terrible at writing. And you learn those things, but don't get down when mm. the world tells you you're terrible, right? You want to fail, fail, fail and keep at it. And then eventually you'll start to see success. But I see a lot of people, they quit too early and they don't realize that going through that process, you're going to make it through. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to know what kind of was, what were first some of your first aha moments as you're really kind of thinking about Norhart and building this, the housing affordability side of this or seeing that the way that it's being done traditionally could be disrupted, could be changed. What are some of the first aha moments that happened on that journey. Yeah. One of the first things that happened is one of my plumbing contractors came to me and said, Mike, 
been great working with you, but we are going to triple the bid on the next project. Same size building, triple. I was like, ah, I don't have that kind of money, right? I just, oh. I just don't. And so we went out to the marketplace and tried to find someone else. And it turned out everyone was that high. It was just the reality of the world. They still don't have the money, right? So we started to ask ourselves, well, can we do this differently? Can, can we do plumbing? Can mm. we bring this in house? And I went out and bought literally, I don't know, three books on plumbing, just read to my heart's content on it. We ended up hiring someone on staff that can do some plumbing. And then we just got in there. We got our hands dirty. We just started to figure it out. And again, the reality is we were terrible initially, but over time that process came in house and now we've actually saved money on plumbing. Like, Oh, well that worked. We do yeah. more, right? So bringing more trades in house. And that was sort of the start of this flywheel of making changes to the industry. But there's a lot, there's a lot there that we've done since then. What do you think is the biggest resist? I mean, you're talking about all the increase in agriculture, all the increase, increase in manufacturing. What do you think has been the resistance inside of the construction industry to really look at this differently? Yeah, I, I think the first thing is that the smartest and brightest people in the world, they don't think to go to construction. No. They think to go into technology or robotics or AI or finance or maybe like real estate management even. But construction, you yeah. know, there are many great people in construction, don't get me wrong, but there, it stereotypically doesn't have, isn't known for having the best culture, right? It tends mm. to be rough and tumble, tends to be challenging, tends to be negative. And I do all of our orientations when we hire on new people. And I hear story after story after story of how challenging those cultural environments are. And then you have people in those worlds that are like, this is how my dad uh, dad did it. This is how my granddad did it. This is how my great-grand did it. And this is how I'm doing it. This, this is how I'm going to be, right? You really need a different kind of attitude, a different kind of perspective, a different kind of culture and focus on people in yeah. order to change an environment. And that's just not something the construction world has traditionally had. Mm. Mm. You talked a little bit about them saying this is the best building opening that we've had. I'd love to hear, I mean, especially when you're making, if you're really making housing affordable, then you're changing lives for the people who are sitting on the other end. I mean, I'm sure you've got some stories of the other side of the impact of people who've lived in your apartments and been a part of what you're doing. I'd love to hear just, you know, some of that. And then also kind of along the way, if you've created this culture, um, I don't want to give you two things to necessarily focus on, but also just even people working for you mm -hmm. on kind of the difference they've seen on being a part of Norhart. Yeah, that, especially that second point, that culture is so critical. If there's one lesson I've learned in life, the most important, it's to hire the very best people. Hmm. And I don't just, and I don't say that lightly, That that's like world-class, best in the world kind of people. We hire people all over the country. In fact, we have staff all over the world and we will fly people in from other states to come work here during the work and then fly them home. Well, right, really. because they're best in the world at their niche, and one of the things, one of the metrics we look at is, is this person on the journey to being best in the world at what they're doing? Mm. Are they that passionate and driven and hardworking to achieve that level within their field? And if so, it's a great place for them to work. But what happens then is you start creating 
just an incredible culture, right? You pour, you pour a lot of energy and effort into that environment. The people are amazing. And then coming to work is so much fun mm. because of the caliber of people you get to work with. I mean, these are world changers, changing yeah. an industry. And that's just a blast. You know, one thing I thought uh, as a younger self is that it's expensive to hire great people. Mm. And that's, well, it's true. When you're looking at a per person basis, we pay top of market. We're on a bashful about that. We never want people to leave because of pay. We'll pay more if we need to. But what I didn't realize initially is that the best people outperform the average people by two to three to five mm. to even 10 times as much. And I've seen it over and over again. So when you look at it as a per production that the person's producing, yeah. it's actually the most inexpensive labor that you can hire. And so that changed the game for us. And then it resulted in experiences for our residents. Again, my immature self thought we need to focus on the experience that residents have. Yes, but what we really have to focus on is the experience our employees have mm. and building into them and supporting them because they are the ones that give that experience to the customer yeah. And unless they're fully bought in, fully supported and engaged, that experience is never going to be what you want it to be. And so mm -hmm. it's important to get the employee right first. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Um, talk a little bit about kind of your vision. I mean, you guys are building now, I think, primarily in Minnesota. Is that yeah. right? What's your, yeah. I mean, knowing that the, are you getting response from other builders in other places or do you have a vision to take this other places? I mean, what? What what's on your heart over the next kind of next three to five years and even beyond that? And so our dream is to solve housing. And it's going to take a little bit of time to get there. But over the next 10 years, we want to reach uh, 60,000 units per year, construction pace, okay. and 192,000 units under management. Um, one of the things we think about a little bit, and this might seem a little bit odd, is do we offer lower rates to our residents today? And the answer is no, we're actually market rate. And that's intentional. The reason is this, we get to offer a 20 to 30% reduction in prices today, but then we're only solving housing affordability for a few thousand people. Mm. But instead what we're doing is we're taking those profits and putting it into the system that builds housing. Think about a manufacturing facility, right? We're doing that same thing for apartments. And if you uh, look at any of Elon Musk's quotes, one of the things he talks about is that producing a car is easier, but producing the system that builds a car is 10 to 100 to 1,000 times harder. Yeah. And that's what we have found. It is so true. And what we're really focused on, which is different than many others, is we're not, we don't just want to build a building. We want to build the system that builds those buildings. And so mm. we hope to eventually scale up that pay level that I talked about, the 60,000 units a year. And because pricing is determined at the margin, at those sorts of points, we're producing so many units to the marketplace mm. that supply and demand factors hit. And as a result, prices start coming down, not just for our own residents, but for everyone right. nationwide. Right. And that's where we can start having that massive positive impact that we're, we're hoping to have. Mm. What about, I mean, this is so brilliant. Are you 
getting to influence other builders and things like that that are out there? Are you getting to kind of share some of the wisdom of the systems and things like that? What What's that look like in your world right now? Absolutely. We're we're 100% open with how we accomplish this stuff. Because again, our goal is not to make a ton of money. Our goal is to change the industry and to solve ho- housing. Yeah. So if other developers and stuff can come on board to do that well, it's all game. I'm, I'm an open book. In fact, <laughs> last night I had a call from a developer out of Florida who's um, producing you know thousands of units. And we had a deep dive conversation where I came up all the details uh, intentionally so that he could help improve mm-hmm. his systems as well. But what we find is that the ideas are easy. The execution mm-hmm. is ridiculously hard. And yeah. that's really where the challenge is at. What do you feel like is going to make the difference in getting the execution right? Uh, number one is the people, hands down. If you don't yeah. get that right, everything else fails. Um, but then you you have to think about a culture of continuous improvement. Mm. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we talk a lot about this, about fixing what bugs you, making a two-second improvement. Because to solve this industry and to solve anything for productivity improvements, it's not one thing. It's not even five or a dozen things. It is 10,000 <laughs> little problems. And if you think that I have any shot of solving those problems, there's no way that me, myself, or yeah. our leadership team, or our managers, what it takes is that we literally have to tap into the brain power of every single person in our organization to solve that. One of the things I talk about or- at orientation is if you think I'm hiring you to swing a hammer, you're wrong. It's mm. not why you're here. Uh, we hire the very best people because somebody has to invent the next way that work is done. Mm. And guess who that somebody is? Mm. That's you. Mm. And so uh, to give you one little technique that we use to actually implement this, every single week, all of our teams produce a video of something that they've changed and approved within their teams. And then we show it off every Friday. And it is fun. People are like yeah. cheering, excited. There's like gift cards and stuff that are handed out. And uh, it's just fun. You you just have to constantly build in that culture of that continuous improvement. I love that. I love that. Talk a little bit about the podcast you're working on, Becoming a Unicorn. Yeah. So Becoming a Unicorn is about the journey of small businesses, or small companies, or even just one person, growing to billion-dollar enterprises. Mm. But really the twist, the, the real root that we're looking at is what is that journey actually like? What are the good, the bad, and the ugly? You know, yeah. so often in the news, you kind of hear the headlines, the the fun stuff that's going on, or maybe if it's really bad, you hear the bad headlines. But really, what is that rubber meeting the road? What does that actually feel like and look like? What is experience um, like for people? And that's the avenue that we're digging into, and we're excited to uh, bring that podcast to life. That's going to be powerful. That's going to be powerful. Um, as you look at where, what's maybe one of the biggest surprises, so let's go from where you took over from where your dad passed away to today, what do you think maybe surprises you the most as you look back or the thing you didn't expect? You know, if I knew all the pain that's involved with the journey, <laughs> I don't know. I think I'd be a little bit more cautious at times. Um, but I, I think the big surprise or maybe the big benefit is that we just started taking on big things, probably things much bigger than we should have taken on. 
things like precast concrete, which only a few companies in the entire Midwest do, or we literally have manufacturing plants and like, like, Hey, this sounds like a good idea. Should we do it? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> that was, that was about the entire extent of our discussion before starting. And it was really painful, but now we have it. Like right now we're working on possibly expanding into our production plants into Mexico or international sourcing. We have China, people in China and Mexico in the United States. Mm. But uh, I, I think having the kind of people we do, the ones that are like, let's take on the world. Let's try to change the world. Yeah, uh, That is both simultaneously fun and terrifying, painful, <laughs> all wrapped up in one. But looking back, I, I wouldn't change that for anything because it, I don't know. I look back at it very fondly. What you had talked a little bit while we were offline that you guys are kind of coming out with a new investment platform where people can kind of maybe engage in the way that Norhart is doing business and revolutionizing this. What does that look like? Yeah. Uh, so it's a new new platform. What it is, is accounts where you can put money into it and earn a high rate of return. Uh, and then you can take your money out as you want, or you can lock it up for six to 24 months. And as a result, get even a higher rate of return. Um, really what we're trying to do here, the crazy idea that we had internally is, so we work a lot with banks, but could mm. we create our own bank? Mm. It turns out we could. We actually talked to some of the world's top experts on it. It was fantastic. Mm. It was really interesting. But it turns out there's some FDIC rules that you can't invest all the money in the bank into one company. Okay, so <laughs> we put that aside. But we said, could we create an SEC-regulated enterprise yep. that allowed people to get that same sort of thing? So it's not FDIC-insured, but what we're doing is not only are you getting the rate of return you would have gotten from a bank, but now we're giving you the bank's profits. You're mm. basically getting to yep. become the bank. And one important thing to us is that in the world of real estate investing, most of that is, most of it cannot be accessed by the average American because mm -hmm. you have to be an accredited investor. You have to have a million dollars in assets excluding your home. You have to have more than $200,000 income per year. And we said, I don't like that, right? We want to provide this in a way that every person has access to and so we went down, again, I didn't realize how painful this would be. <laughs> we went down the route of what's called like a mini IPO, where we have to get background check. We have to get audits. Uh, it's hundreds of pages of legal documentation. And we have to get approval through the SEC. But it's made us better as a result because we've had to up our game. Yeah. And then that because we've done all that, now we're going to be allow any investor, any person in the United States to invest. Mm. How do people get more information on that? You can visit our website. It's norhart.com, N-O-R-H-A-R-T.com. And just click on invest. You can see some basics there. And if you want a full pitch, you can reach out to us. And there's like a little email place. And yeah. we'll sit down with you and give you a full pitch of all the nitty gritty details of what's going on. Very cool. Very cool. Um, Mike, is there anything that I didn't get a chance to ask you about that you were hoping to get to talk about today? Why there's there's so many fun things we could cover. Um, you know, I think maybe the, the thing for people to remember is it's you can change the world, right? You know, Steve Jobs talks about this, how um there comes a point in your real in your life and you realize that the the people that have created the world around you are no smarter. More talented and more capable 
than you are. Yeah. And you you can change things. You can mold the world. You can shape the world into what you want it to be. And you can make the world a better place. It just mm. requires a little tenacity and grit and energy, but it's totally within your wheelhouse to make that a reality. Mm. I love that. I love that. Mike, if somebody's listening, they want to follow you, keep up with what you're doing, even get in touch with you. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, the best way is to visit our website. It's norhart.com, N-O-R-H-A-R-T.com. And there you can see all of our socials or you can reach out to me directly on my social as well. Fantastic, fantastic. So my last question is all the same. I'm always the same. I'm excited to hear your answer. So we think about your two young girls. Um, Hmm. In three generations, what do you hope your great-grandchildren remember about you? Such a good question. I there's really two parts to this answer. And the first you've heard a lot of today, which is that we want to make a meaningful impact in the world. We want to make a dent in the universe in mm-hmm. a way that positively impacts literally hundreds of millions of lives. Mm-hmm. But the deeper level is that I don't want to miss that level of impact on my children and my family. Mm-hmm. And I want them never to look back and say, well, Mike, he made an impact in all these other lives, but he forgot about us. Mm. I want to make that impact in a way that's deeper and more meaningful and more positive in my own family's life. And so I'm hoping my great-grandchildren say both. He did great for America, but he did even better for me and my family. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Mike, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, this is so much fun. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. So everyone, thank you so much for joining us for another great episode of Redefining Success. Stay tuned. We'll be with you again next time. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. Eric L. Dunavit here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunavant.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, we would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media. And we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, you, all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360 and all of my connections to social and other ways 
to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off. Until next time.